0: Now here is the great, great secret of effectual prayer. Listen carefully. The prayer that gets to heaven
1: starts in
0: heaven. I believe God wants to shake this old country one more time with heaven sent revival. That's what God wants to do. There also has to be the other side of the coin, our responsibility to share that life changing message with those around us. There's
2: something in the nature of God that wants His love to be shared with other people.
0: Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast, a weekly podcast exploring the ins and outs of church revitalization with your hosts, Matt Hensley and Kyle Behrman. This podcast is sponsored in part by the Christian Standard Bible. We encourage you to check out the CSB after the show to learn about a translation that is both readable and accurate at csbible.com. Oh man, Kyle, nothing's going on in the world. Uh, slow new <laughs> yeah. day,
2: news Day, Newsday here. Yep. Yep. What's nothing. happening? <laughs> Y'all doing okay? <laughs> Yeah, we're good. I mean, you know, life. So whether, whether we meet in person or meet online, there are still sermons to be prepared. And, um, so honestly, like my day to day routine doesn't, isn't going to change just a whole lot. Um, Maybe, well, maybe I need more, more phone my, calls, more phone calls rather than in-person visits. I'm going to have my girls call your kids and gloat
0: about the fact they have three day, three weeks off of school. <laughs> yeah, the homeschoolers do not. Working, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah. we have great news for our guests today, our listeners today. Uh, as you pull up a chair and tune in, you don't really have to listen to us wax eloquently about church revitalization or our medically... Um, 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 what's the word that I'm looking for? Inaccurate uh, (laughs) use of the coronavirus or anything like that. Uh, we have brought the big guns to the show. Uh, and, uh, we've brought the true and greater Dave Ramsey, uh, Art Rayner, Art, tell us a little about yourself, maybe where you're at, what you do. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, Make me repent for
1: what I just said. You know what, Matt? That is the first time that I've ever been introduced in that way. <laughs> <laughs> now I have been. Um, it has been mentioned that some of my stuff is the uh, is a gateway drug for for Dave Ramsey stuff. <laughs> so um, yeah, I take that as a as a compliment. Yeah. I, I I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for for, for having me. Yeah. Um, you uh, you asked about about my family. We're doing well right right now. Um, admittedly I have a sick son, but, uh, he seems to be on the, on the mend. Um, I have three boys here, uh, ages nine, six, and three, which means that my house is in, um, total chaos all, all the time, yes. right? I mean, these, these boys are incredibly active. They're throwing, uh, things all over the place. Uh, they wake up and play hockey in our, <laughs> um, in our, in our hallway. And so we have dents uh, in our walls. We have marks all over it. And Sarah, my wife and I would want it no other way. Um, It is an absolute joy to be able to be their, their dad. And uh, man, what a, what a blessing it is. What a cool thing it is to be able to raise three guys. um, Like, like what we have in our house.
0: Yeah, Awesome. We've, we've got nine, 10, 11 and 12 uh, year old girls. And uh, instead of hockey, ours wake up dramatic. Um, that's about the best way I can I can put it. Way to describe uh, a
2: daughter. Yeah, I yes, have a daughter. So
0: yep. Kyle's got two. We've been spending about two years of this podcast trying to make him have three. But but anyway, here here we are. We are glad you are on the show. And uh, and so the the first thing I want to ask, just right out of the bat, right out of the box, um bat, bat is on my mind because baseball has been uh, postponed indefinitely. <laughs> but. Uh, right out of the box is, tell us where you learned how to be the next Oscar-winning actor uh, in Southern Baptist. B- I mean, you might be the first Southern Baptist that's going to win an Oscar. I, I haven't <laughs> fact-checked that,
1: but tell us where you learned how to act. So what you're referring to is the the little uh, Find More Money promo that B and H put out, um, where I got to show off my acting skills or like thereof, <laughs> and it was a it was a funny conversation um, with this, those who wrote the, the script. They were talking about, so here we are. What do you, what type of acting do you want to do? Do you want to kind of do slapstick? Do you want to do? And I just looked at him. I was like, guys, I only got one thing. Like I can do deadpan humor. <laughs> and and that's about it. And if you want me to do anything else, it's going to, it's just not going to be pretty. And so um, that's what we went with. And fortunately, they are some phenomenal editors. And um, they were able to obviously take out the uh, 50 other takes that we that we had to make that. Uh, to make that little promo happen, but it, was, it, was, it was a lot of fun, and um, and so yeah, thank you for sharing that. Um, the movie will not be coming out sometime soon. I promise you. Well, it's you just that. the coronavirus. It's it's postponed it indefinitely. That's that's all. We we'll we know that as as the excuse. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And and I'm with you with the takes thing because I've I've been trying to you know. Be, be a little different with how we are, you know, alerting our church about some of the things that are going on instead of writing this long, verbose thing about what we're doing, not doing that kind of deal. I thought, I'll just record something. And so I, I decided in in my creative brain, which doesn't exist, that I was going to record a video of me washing my hands and giving some of the updates coming up. And I probably washed my hands 30 times. My hands have never been that clean in my life. And on the final take, the final take that I finally, I nailed it. I was ready to go. And then like, I, I rubbed my, my beard and I was like, no, it's over because you're not supposed to touch your face. <laughs> I scrapped it completely and sent out the like two page long, like, here's what we're doing. And, and I've given up. So, uh, Kyle, his his book. I don't. I, I know you like to stick with Dr. Seuss and Donny <laughs> Cash, but his book is "Find More Money." And and normally the way that I look at that is I, I go to the seat cushions of the couch <laughs> and into the glove box in my car. Why don't you walk us through, maybe just why you wrote it in the first place?
1: Well, that's that's it. I mean, you just um, it's all about finding change in your couch and and on the on the floor. And, um, no, obviously that's, that's that's not what it's about. Um, let me, um, give you the, I guess you say the idea behind it, or maybe the birth of of the idea behind it. So I've written a a few other books about finances, the the money challenge, the marriage challenge. There's a, a kid series called the secret slide money club series. That's, that's out now. And I, after I would talk, or maybe somebody would read my book and they'd then reach out to me, they would Say, Art, you know, I love uh, this, this stuff. It's a gateway drug to, to Dave Ramsey. Um, thank you for putting it out there. I love the lens through which you, which you write. Um, but here's my problem I don't necessarily have a ton of debt, um, I don't have uh, Netflix subscriptions, I don't, I don't have a Disney Plus subscription. And in fact, my budget is pretty bare bones and for me cutting the budget just no longer is is cutting it which admittedly when we talk about personal finances we tend to focus on that expense side of the equation but there is another side to the financial equation so you have your expense side but then you also have your income side of the financial equation so i found myself having conversations with individuals with pastors who had no margin in their budget. They weren't able to put money toward a Roth IRA. They weren't able to, to pay off debt. Uh, they weren't able to put food on the table. And, and so my conversation th- with them was not, hey, you need to cut your budget even more because there's nothing left to cut. It was, hey, let's start focusing on the income side of the of the financial equation, which is uh, something that I have experience um, managing and specifically with uh, with side gigs. I was doing side gigs before, there was a quote unquote gig economy. And so it's an area that I have understood well, how to make additional income outside of your regular full-time job. And and that's what find more money is. It uh, starts off talking about God's design for, for money. And then also talks about God's design for, for work. And then we dive into the find more money workflow. And it's just a step by step um, journey on how to take advantage of the gig economy and find a side gig that works for you. Now let's
2: now to clarify. I think, I think you are, because obviously in the money challenge, you, you, you address the first part of what you just talked about, right? Like, I mean, get right. your budget in order, cut unnecessary expenses. And, and speaking of Dave Ramsey, he's kind of famously said you can't outspend or you can't out earn bad spending habits. Right. right. So, so I know a lot of people will, will just think, well, man, look at our expenses. Look at all this stuff that we like to do. I just need to go earn more money to be able to do this. Is that the right approach? That's not the right approach.
1: What you're talking about is lifestyle creep at, at that point um, where you either try to, you, you spend more than, than you should. And now you're trying to catch up. Um, or, if your income increases, your expenses simultaneously mm-hmm. increase, and neither is is good because what that what it happens is that it limits the margin that you have in your in your budget seventy eight percent of Americans right now are living paycheck to paycheck, so that 's four out of every five of us now that 's that 's the people in the pews um, that's yeah. that 's not just america but it 's also those in our in our church are representative of that of that number. 40% of Americans don't have $400 or more set aside for any type of emergency. So what happens when uh, their car breaks down or some type of home repair is needed? Well, they resort to credit cards or borrowing money from friends and family. And so we're on the financial edge constantly in large part because we're chasing a lifestyle that's just—it's out of our it's out of our reach. We never should have chased it before. And we put ourselves in very bad financial situations and I could go on and on and on about the dangers of, of that. I'll summarize it, um, by, by saying this, usually when I'm meeting with people about their budget and they bring up the topic of, Hey, I saw my friend driving this or it seems like everybody has a nicer house or a nicer car than I do. I feel like I'm missing out. My response to them is stop thinking that it's real. Stop thinking that they can actually afford what they have. Because as you look at the statistics of personal finances across the United States, it is propped up, most of the stuff is propped up by debt, or they don't own it, period. Speaking of a car, it could be a lease where you're basically renting a car because you can't afford an actual car payment. So leasing is a little bit less expensive. And so you go that route, but it's a downward spiral financially uh, as it relates to, to automobiles. So I always say, you know what? Stop chasing the Joneses or stop chasing the Gateses, uh, Bill and Melinda Gates, and focus on what is, what is real.
0: One of the, one of the things that I I appreciated about, about your call is, is it's, it's not just about Mm -hmm. increasing our, our income so that we can build all of this vast wealth. And kind of like you talked about, you know, chasing after the, uh, the gates or, or whatever, uh, which is why I love to always reply to your stuff with, I'm going to get a Corvette today, you know, things like that. Um, You know how to get uh, me triggered. I I do. (laughs) I know, I I know everybody's kind of, and I love it. And, and and, and now you know the the most recent one is that the interest rates have been cut and uh so i was i was this close from retweeting that and tagging you and said oh on my way to get my corvette now uh but but also about emphasizing generosity uh that one of you know we we are you know the the cliche goes blessed to be a blessing and so at times this allows us to also give back Uh, share share with us how maybe the freedom that we have in our finances allow us to be more
1: generous with our church and with those around us yeah thanks for for bringing that that up um that's my that's my why um uh, that's what that's what motivates me with uh with helping people with their personal finances god has designed us not to be hoarders but to be conduits through which his generosity flows if you look at scripture you find that generosity is our financial priority um we're to make uh we're to give our, our first and our best and we're to give proportionately, meaning that uh, we give according to what God has, has given us. We're to give sacrificially. You know, I think of Second Samuel 24, 24, where David, who is offered everything for a sacrifice, says, no, I'll not give God uh, that which cost me nothing. And then, of course, we're supposed to give cheerfully. Cheerfully, God doesn't want a bunch of grumpy givers, um, but it's very clear that generosity is uh, the priority for our finances? We're to use our resources to advance His kingdom, and in the and uh, in, in find more money. Yeah. I lay out the great opportunity that's there. Um, now, admittedly, it was James Wise in a book called Inheritolatry who uh, really open my eyes to, to this. Um, so right now we have, we're in the middle of what's called the great wealth transfer. Over the next 20 years, we're going to have around $30 trillion. That's with a T transfer from one generation to the to the next. Now let's assume that 25% of Americans are evangelicals and you can debate that number. Ultimately, you're going to see that it just really doesn't doesn't matter. That means that $7.5 trillion will be in the hands of evangelicals. Now, let's assume that right now there's 3,200 unreached people groups around the world, those who have yet to hear the name of Jesus Christ, not even not even had the opportunity. Now, let's also assume that it takes $75,000 to reach one of those unreached people groups for a year, and that it also takes 20 years to actually engage, really engage that that group. So we have 3,200 times 75,000 times, um, times 20. And that gets us right around $5 billion with a, with a B, really $4.8 billion. Now, once again, we had 7.5 trillion with a T. We're talking about 5 billion with a with a B. And if you're familiar with the, the relationship between a, a billion and a trillion, there's 1,000 billion in a trillion. So we're talking about a drop in the bucket. Man, we just, and this is in the United States alone. We have this amazing opportunity. And what haunts me is what if we don't, what if we don't do anything about it? Having this knowledge, having these resources, what if we don't do anything about it? Are we going to be the, the, the generation that Christians 100, 150 years from now, look back on and say, what, what were they thinking? What were they doing? And that is my why. So when I'm talking to financial coaches, I will tell them, I am, I care about you and your coaching." But not really. And I I don't really care about the person that you're you're interacting with. I care about the person and the people group that are on the other side of the world. And that by you helping this person get out of financial debt, start saving wisely, by doing these things, it allows them to be more generous toward advancing God's kingdom. I get pumped up about that. The reality is I could care less about somebody getting out of debt just so that they can spend money on whatever they, they want. That does not motivate me. I don't care about it. What motivates me is seeing somebody get out of debt so that then they can use their resources to advance God's kingdom. I can get pumped up about that. I can get behind that. And so that's, that is my, that's my why. And um, when I talk about it and in, in find more money, I talk about it um, a little bit in the, in the money challenge and a little bit in the, in the marriage challenge, but I really unpack it and find more money. So, so let's shift the conversation now to, to churches, obviously, in the last um, week or so
2: we've we've experienced some pretty tumultuous times um, with our economy um, and lots of you know anybody who has um, things in the stock market retirement account, reti- retirement accounts or anything like that has been uh, pretty dramatically affected. Um, moving forward, not knowing exactly what's going to happen uh, really from day to day at this point, but what how do churches prepare? for this? Or how do they weather this storm? Where, as you said, I mean, we have a large portion of people living paycheck to paycheck. Some of those paychecks may go away for right. a time at this point. So what what is your advice to church leaders as they, you know, kind of navigate these waters?
1: Yeah, that's, a, that's another, another good question. Um, what I would suggest, and even hopefully if it's just for a, a mental practice, try to figure out what your church would look like how you could operate, how you could move forward, operating on a third less of what you typically receive in, in tithes and offerings, and um, and start start making those decisions now. Now, hopefully, it doesn't come to uh, come to that, and everything will will be fine. But it's always good to have some type of financial contingency and plan in place, and this has has revealed the uh, the, the need for that once again. That there's some things that happen that are just completely out of your control and will affect um, giving um, by your by your members. And so, go ahead and start planning ahead so that you have, there, so that your decisions are thoughtful, so that you're not making reactionary decisions, and also so that the decisions are thinking with the future in mind and not just you know here and and now. And so, I would have them start thinking through what does it look like if our giving were to drop by, by one third. Now, once again, hopefully that, that that's not going to materialize, but it's good to go ahead and prepare for, for that. Um, the other thing with uh, with church members and their finances, you're right. They're going to be dealing with a lot of financial strain. So providing them resources that can help them, them think through their finances um, can be a significant uh, boost for, for them. You know, I think about uh, find more money, and And how that can help individuals um, maybe it maybe open up a, a new world to them uh, in regards of income gener- generation that they did not even know existed or that they thought was impossible. you know most people when they think about side gigs, they think of uh, they think of Uber and lyft and and those are granted those are legitimate side gigs, but for, for most people they 're thinking well i don 't like to drive and i don 't really like people, so i 'm not really sure if that 's going to be the right option for me i 'm just not going to do a side gig. And they're completely missing out on the numerous opportunities that, that exist out there. 57 million Americans right now are have, have a side gig. And so there's a plethora of opportunities, even opportunities that you can do from your, from your home. I think about McKenzie, who every morning gets up and logs into her computer and teaches English in China, um, and I actually know of several people that that do that. And you make about eighteen to twenty-two dollars per um, per hour by by doing that. Um, now, granted, you do have to wake up pretty early, but you you knock out a few hours and you've made you know fifty to sixty to seventy dollars in in that morning alone. And so, there's a number of opportunities that are out there right now that you can take advantage of, even while you're at home. So, you there are opportunities out there for for you
0: one one question i i have is uh let, let's kind of focus this at least for a moment the, obviously what what you've written is for broad appeal and and for christians of of every kind of background all of that but but focusing on on pastors for a moment uh, a lot of us especially in smaller churches that would really benefit from a side gig um you know because we are often paycheck to paycheck we we may get paid Enough to make ends meet, but maybe not a little more, uh, but yet at the same time we're that guy that is having to drive two and a half hours to go to the uh, hospital or you know all of the other stuff you know pastors do put in a lot of hours, unlike you know Kyle, who just works on sunday um, what what would you how, how would you encourage folks to to rightly balance? Yes, we need the side gig to to help offset some of the costs that we have in our family, but while also maintaining that that family dynamic and giving time to
1: your your family. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm going to tell you guys a little little secret, and um, I, I actually don't think that I've shared um, this on uh, any other in- interview. So you all are, are the first. With writing, find more money. I was writing to a pastor, so. Any book that I write, I have a, a person in mind that I'm that I'm trying to reach, and for this particular book, I was writing to a pastor. Why? Because many of those conversations that I was having were with pastors. As an example, I was meeting with an individual um, who uh, was single, and he said, "Hey, um, Art, I I need you to take a look at my budget. I'm struggling." I looked at his budget. And I said, okay, so you're uh, you're spending fifty dollars per week on food. He said, no, um, that's every other week. Now, if you do the math, that's a dollar nineteen per meal. Now, once again, my suggestion was not, hey, you need to cut that down to seventy five cents per meal. Um, it was to focus on the income side of the equation. But a number of these conversations that I was having were with pastors. And so you ask a good question. How do you balance ministry? How do you balance family time with a side gig? I think it's important to understand that when we we're, we're talk about side gigs, we're not talking about another 40-hour week job. Um, what we're talking about is maybe around $10 or 10, 10 hours per week. The average uh, person with the side gig makes around $8,000 per year. So we're not talking about becoming a gazillionaire um, doing, doing side gigs, but we're talking about $8,000 per year, which that can be a significant uh, help. For really most families, I mean, you can max out your Roth IRA if you if you want to with that. You can certainly put food on the table uh, with that. And so we're talking about a, 10 hours per week. Now, the challenge is finding a side gig that actually fuels your ministry and doesn't take away from it. And so in Find More Money, I introduced the trifecta. And this is where your passion, so what, you know, what gets you up in the morning? What are you excited about? What do you talk about? when you're not even being paid to talk about it, you just enjoy it for me it's finances. What are you skilled at? So what are you actually good at? Not what do you think that you're good at? There is a, there is a difference there. Um, I may think that I am a great rapper, but my kids will, will tell you otherwise. And so what, what, do other people actually tell you that you're good at? What are people calling you to help you with? Um, what are they texting you saying? Hey, I got a got a quick question about this. What are those things? So, what is your skill set? We uh, unpack how to how to find that, and then of course, what is the opportunity that's there? So, that where those three things meet your passion, your skill set, and your opportunity, that's really your trifecta, and that's the sweet spot for for you. And even as pastors, what what we're trying to do is find something that actually fuels your ministry, not doesn't take away from it. I was in little rock, Arkansas uh, uh, going to a radio interview for family life and a guy picked me up in uh, in his, his uh, car was Uber. And he had a, a big cross tattoo on his, on his arm. And so I asked him about it. Hey, tell me about that, about that tattoo, you know, hoping to open up a gospel conversation with him. And he started talking about it. And lo and behold, he was a pastor, and so we started talking about him driving uh, driving for Uber while he was a pastor. And he said, "You know what? I have found that it's just been uh, it's just been amazing that by picking up people and taking them to their to their destination, I can have a great conversation with them, and they and almost inevitably let me pray for them." And it's just become part of my ministry and I also get paid doing it. And so I'm not saying that every pastor needs to go out there and drive for Uber or, or Lyft, but that's what this guy did. And so there are opportunities out there that you can leverage for your, your own ministry and that fuel it as opposed to take take away from it. <laughs>
2: Matt, I'm sorry to say that I don't think Uber or Lyft is an option for you up in Mayhill, America. I doubt that. <laughs> with I population really doubt fifty. 50. But,
0: <laughs> but I'm just saying, Art, Art spoke my love language earlier when he said, I don't really like people and I don't really like driving. So Uber's <laughs> but out you for But
1: you have me a great truck. Right
2: yes. I do have the truck. People you would like to bring
1: for that. Yeah. yeah
2: I, I could, that's what I need to do. That could let be. Him, let, let me tell life. you, as someone who has traveled with Matt a couple of times, I will attest to the fact that he hates to drive. Because even like at the <laughs> rental car counter. In, in Birmingham, we got a charger. We got upgraded to a charger. I'm like, hey, do you want to drive that? Nope. Nope. I ain't driving in Birmingham. Yeah. Right, but but Thanks, what Mike.
0: I could, what I could totally do though, is, is charge people to go muddy. Like let, let's just go for <laughs> a little trip. As long hey. as you don't talk, we'll go mudding. <laughs> that you know, that, that a lot is of a people,
1: culturally relevant side gig to where you that's, are. That's man. absolutely right. You know, a lot of people who go mudding, I mean, I'm stereotyping here, but they probably don't want to talk to you either. They just want to go and, uh, and have some fun. I think a lot of people don't want to talk to me if to
0: (laughs) I think the feeling is probably
2: mutual. Oh goodness. Um all right, all right. So as, as we begin to wrap up here, um walk us through quickly. So in like, you know, two, three minutes, just just walk us through your money plan that you
1: kind of lay out in the money challenge, your your steps. Yeah, so I have what we're called the eight money, money milestones, and um, I guess you can compare them to to Dave Ramsey's baby steps. There's there's some similarities, but there are some very clear differences uh, between the that uh, between the eight money milestones and the and the, and the baby steps. So uh, number one milestone number one is to start giving. Um, that's where the Bible starts, so that's where I have to start. And some will ask me, well, what if I'm I'm already in debt? But you're telling me to to start giving. Yeah, um, I, I, I am. And it's not because Art Rainer says so, but it's just because what the what the Bible says. And I can't get away from that. And having a bunch of debt doesn't um, ex- exclude you from, from generosity and giving your first and your best, according to the Bible. There's just no exclusion clause there. So we're going to start with, with, with giving. Then we're going to move to uh, setting aside $1,500 for a minor emergency. So if your car breaks down, you have some money. You don't have to resort to debt. Now, that automatically puts you um, uh, above 40% of our our nation, or it puts you ahead of 40% of our nation by just getting that $1,500. So it's a really big deal. After that, if your company offers some type of match, so if your 401k or 403b has some type of match, meaning that if you put money into that retirement account, then your organization, whether it's a, a church or other organization, then puts additional money in there, you take it. Um, you don't miss that. And yes, even before paying off debt, you don't miss that because that is a significant, significant gain and you can, you can run the numbers on it and it is uh, ultimately a, a no-brainer decision. Then we're going to focus on your debt. And this is where I agree with Larry Burkett, with Dave Ramsey and all these other guys, that the snowball is really the best way to to pay off debt. I'm a big fan of the snowball method where you focus on your lowest balance first and then your next lowest balance and next lowest balance. You knock them out in that, in that order. Now, if you decide to do what's called the avalanche uh, method, where you focus on interest rates, that's fine. If you're more motivated by numbers, that may be a good route for you, but I, I tend to lean toward the snowball method. After that, we're going to start saving three to six months worth of living expenses for a job loss level emergency. Um, is it three? Is it six? It really depends on who you're financially responsible for. So if you're single, three months. If you have a family, you're going to lean more towards the six months because you just have less flexibility at that time. It takes you a little bit longer to adjust if you were to to lose your job or if some type of major emergency happened. Then you're going to set aside 15% of your gross income into retirement. Now that number is not an Art Rainer number, that 15%. It actually comes from Boston College. They have a Center for Retirement Studies and that's the number that they came up with. They ran a massive study and said based on what we see, most Americans will be fine with setting aside 15%. So it's just a good rule of of, of thumb. Then after that, you're going to start saving for college or pay off your, your mortgage. And then finally, this is what we're chasing, you're going to live generously. So that's milestone eight is living and giving generously. Like you just haven't been able to now, of course that doesn't mean that you're not giving all throughout that, but you're, you're setting yourself up to where you can give generously in a way that you haven't uh, been ever, ever, been able to before. So those are the eight money milestones. And once again, those are a guide to help you think about what step to take next on your financial journey.
0: And uh, ju- just for full disclosure, in in that book, which is not really the focus of of uh, our our podcast, but we wanted to highlight just some small goals for for folks. Uh, when I got to that point, I just scratched it out that last step, and I put buy Corvette. So that's where Man, I'm at, don't, don't do but, that to me. But don't you don't know, do that. What, what I decided is you were talking. You break my heart. Generosity and all of that kind of stuff. I've decided if if I get the Corvette, I will match what I spend on the Corvette with generosity. So so then I'll I'll feel that the the ghost of our Rainer will That's not right.
1: haunt me at night. I, I, I hope I hope I hope that uh that you feel the burden that uh, <laughs> that I feel now now that you said that.
0: Oh man so so art tell us where they
1: can find this uh this book. Yeah you can you can go to Amazon Um, you can go to lifeway.com and also, uh, also get it there. So find more money is, is available wherever, ever books are sold along with the, with the other books that we've, we've mentioned on this episode. And the the only reason I'm on Twitter
0: uh is certainly not the SBC uh, drama. Um the 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 main reason that I'm on there is you're three at three. And uh and so if y'all are not uh following art, you can find him on Twitter at at Artrainer and uh and at three o'clock, I believe. So that's three your time, right? Correct. Or give, or give or take. So at three-year time, he starts asking some questions. And most people, like 99% of uh, the world, will take it seriously, really give it some thought. And, and then there's this other guy, I don't remember who it is, but he always trolls it uh, every chance he gets. But that's an encouragement, too. So grab the book, find it on Amazon LifeWay. Also follow him on Twitter. And you can see the uh, the train wreck every afternoon at... At one o'clock Mountain Time, three o'clock Eastern Time, uh, when when Art tries to have
2: the serious conversation for I try to help people, the and then there's this guy and named Matt this, that just jumps yeah, in and just, just ruins everything. <laughs> yes, yeah. so uh, Art, welcome th- to my life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the story of our relationship. So uh, Art, thank you so much. We we're grateful for the work that you're doing, and I, I'm personally grateful. Uh, that you do highlight that generosity. Of course, I like to give you a hard time about the Corvette. When I do get one, I'm just not going to tell you. Yeah, just, just <laughs> keep that in your garage. Don't, don't I'll take just, pictures. Yeah, I'll, I'll just keep trolling you with it anyhow. Uh, but Art, thank you for coming on. Everybody else, grab his book. Follow him on Twitter at Art Rayner. And
1: uh, Art, any final words? Hey, if you're feeling financially stressed, um, just say no, there is hope. Um, many people feel hopeless when dealing with their finances. There is hope out there and hope and hopefully these books will um, help you on that journey and help you understand what your next step needs to be.
0: This podcast has been sponsored in part by the Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. There are a lot of great things happening on Seminary Hill and so we encourage you to find out all about them at swibbarts.edu after the short clip by Roy. again that is swbts.edu have a great day and god bless people without jesus
2: are lost and they're not only lost but they're in danger of being eternally lost the fact that people are going to be in hell
0: if they don't somehow come into saving faith